Hey everyone, Dr. Liz here. This was a truly impactful interview for me personally, and I hope it is for you as well. I've been through several major betrayals in my life. It's been seven, eight years since the last one, but some of what Dr. Silver said still applies to me. So I learned so much about post-betrayal syndrome, what happens to us when we discover someone close to us has betrayed us. But what I love the most about the interview is knowing how to move forward from betrayal. So she talks about that, the five proven stages of healing and how you can't rush through them, FYI, and also how to rebuild trust. That's probably my favorite part of the interview is actually how to rebuild trust. And that's near the latter part of the interview. She says, trust is built brick by brick by brick. We also talk about forgiveness. She says, if you feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel better. If you do not feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel worse. So both of these topics come up quite a bit in my practice, as well as personally, like how do we move forward? How do we forgive? How do we figure out how to trust again? All of those big life questions. This is airing in early November and keep your eye out for the mindful eating freebie that's coming up. I run that around the holidays every year. I'm going to run it before Thanksgiving this year to help you out. So just know that's coming up in the next episode. I have a more in-depth one over on my website, drlisthypnosis.com that people rave about. You can buy it as a package with love to exercise. There's no better time to start exercising than the holidays. That's what I believe. Or you can buy them separate. As a podcast listener, you do get a discount. Just type in the word podcast in the discount field. And I don't remember what percentage it gives you off, honestly. It's like 10 or 20%, something like that. But, you know, I'd like to give my listeners a discount. All right, everyone. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're safe. I hope you're healthy. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Hi, Dr. Silver. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Looking forward to our conversation. Too. Me too. So your specialty area is betrayal and... Mm -hmm. The impacts of betrayal, do you think people underestimate the impact of it? Absolutely. I, I, I see it so often where someone says, you know, well, they just figure time will heal it. And I have the proof that's not the case. We actually have our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent people are struggling. We've had easily over 25,000 people take it. There's a question that wow. says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 40 years ago and I can still feel the hate. My betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened 15 years ago. It feels like it happened yesterday. So we know that betrayal is a very different type of crisis. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's pretty impactful what they're writing. And you did your your doctoral dissertation on it. Is that correct? I did. Well, you know, and, and just to back up, I don't think anybody says, Hey, I think I just want to study betrayal. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. So it's actually my 30th year in business. And I started in health and mindset and personal development. And as life would change, well, so would business. And then it was trauma. I, I had a horrible betrayal of my family 
thought I, I did the work I needed to do to heal. And then a couple of years later, it happened again. This time it was my husband and anybody who's been through it, you're, you're, you're blindsided, you're devastated. So I, I looked at the two experiences. Well, I got him out of the house, looked at the two experiences and said, well, what's similar to these two besides me? And I, I realized, you know, boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my own needs seriously. So here it was four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I said, something's got to change. And and that was when I decided I'm going back for a PhD. And I had no idea how I was going to pay for it, manage the time, anything. But it was in a transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential. I was changing so much. I didn't quite understand it. He was too on his own, wasn't ready to look at that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. And that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my business, my life. Wow. So what are those three groundbreaking discoveries? Yeah. So the, the first one was, you know, originally I was studying something called post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't sure what that is, it's, if you can imagine kind of an upside to trauma, whatever the crisis is, death of a loved one, disease, whatever it is, how it leaves you with a new awareness, perspective, insight that you didn't have. Like, let's say you lose someone you love and you realize life is short, right? But I had been through death of a loved one and I had been through disease and I was like, I don't know. Betrayal feels different for me, but I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants and I said, if you've been through other uh, really painful experiences besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Unanimously, they said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And here's why. It's so different because it feels so intentional. So we take it so personally. So the whole self has to be rebuilt. Rejection, abandonment, uh, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust, they're shattered. So post-traumatic growth didn't quite feel like a fit. So if I were to give you a, an equation, it would be post-traumatic growth plus rebuilding the self equals a new term I coined, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. That's the complete and total healing after your experience and the rebuilding of yourself after an experience with betrayal. So that was the first discovery. So that is fascinating. I I have been through some significant betrayals mm -hmm. and I agree with that. My personal experience was that it was like I had to rewrite all kinds of memories about my life, myself, you know, everything versus something bad that happened to me. I didn't feel like I had to do that. I didn't have to rewrite history. Yeah, you're so right. Like, for example, I mean, I, I had disease, I was in the ICU for 11 days, I, I lost my mom, you know, with those types of experiences, you know, let's say loss of a loved one, you grieve, you're sad, you mourn the lost life will never be the same. But you don't question your sanity, you know, yeah. you, don't, you don't have to completely and totally rebuild the self. So it's a, it's a very different experience. It's certainly not to compare what's better, what's worse, they all stink. But it, yes. <laughs> it's just it's just that it's different. So that was the first discovery. You want me to move on to the next one? Absolutely. Sure. So the second one was, and I, I touched on that earlier, that um, about post-betrayal syndrome, there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal, it's now known as post-betrayal syndrome. Mm -hmm. And um, that quiz I mentioned on the site, I actually, every 
few months, I pull the stats just to see where people are. And I'm happy to share them if that would if that would Yeah, start. yeah, let's hear it. I love statistics. So let's Great. yeah, let's hear okay. it. Okay. So we've had every uh age group represented. We've had almost I mean, we have almost every country who's represented here. So now we've had, like I said, over 25,000 people. So here, here are the most recent stats. 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hyper vigilant. I mean, that's just exhausting keeping the nervous system on edge like that. Yeah. 94% deal with painful triggers, and those triggers can take you down. Uh, the most common physical symptoms 71% have low energy, 68% struggle with their sleep, 63% have extreme fatigue. So you can sleep all night long, you wake up, you're exhausted. Those are your adrenals that just mm -hmm. crashed. 47% mm -hmm. have weight changes. So in the beginning, maybe you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. 45% have digestive issues. This can be anything from Crohn's, IBS, uh, diverticulitis, diverticulosis, uh, diarrhea, constipation, you name it. Um, and you know, it's so interesting when you think about the gut, the second brain, think about what it does. It digests, absorbs, and processes food. Well, isn't a betrayal difficult to digest, absorb, and process, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I would say food and emotions. Of course, any wonder why the gut's up. So the most common mental symptoms, 78% are overwhelmed, 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief, 68% are unable to focus, 64% are in shock, and 62% are unable to concentrate. Hmm. Yeah. So imagine you can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted. And here you're supposed to work and raise your kids and everything else you have going on. And that's not even the emotional symptoms. When you're measuring this, like, mm -hmm. are you measuring time from discovery? Let's say discovery of time from betrayal, because I, yeah, I certainly relate to these symptoms and yeah. in my practice, absolutely betrayal mm -hmm. is a regular topic, unfortunately. Yeah. And I have found though over time, a lot of these symptoms do decrease. So you begin to regulate again. So are you measuring that? Uh, you you can, but here's, and, and I'll get to the third discovery and you will see exactly where and why people get stuck. The timing okay. has less to do with healing. Uh, it's really more the willingness I mean, we see this so often, and I can even share the three the three groups who didn't heal. So I'll just finish with these stats, and I'm happy. Oh, that. great! I'm so excited. <laughs> oh yeah. So so these are the most common emotional symptoms: eighty eight percent extreme sadness, eighty three percent anger, eighty two percent feel hurt, eighty percent have anxiety. 79% are stressed. Here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% are preventing themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% mm -hmm. find it hard to move forward. And 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. Staggering. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, there were actually three groups in the study who did not heal. And I assume, you're not supposed to assume anything as a researcher, I was new with this, and I assumed that the people who were the hardest hit would grow the least because, you know, it healed the, you know, the slowest because they had the most to overcome. And that had nothing to do with it at all. 
Mm. It was it was really the ones who just put their heads down and said, that's it. I am just not looking up until I am out the other side. They blew the doors off of these three groups. And I'll share them here. So if anybody is doing this, know that it's preventing you from your healing. So the first one, the first group was the group. They just weren't, they they were just refusing to accept their betrayal. They just weren't having it. Mm -hmm. They just, you know, they had their story. They were sticking with it. And when I go over the final discovery, you'll see exactly where I'm talking about that. That Okay. Do you mean like they're not accepting reality? They're not. Okay. Cause I talk a lot on the podcast about radical acceptance mm-hmm. as a way to heal and move forward. So they're not in radical acceptance. No, that group. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. They are clinging to dear life, to their story and all it brings them. Okay. Yeah. And that manifests, um, I'm trying to give a picture to the listeners, mm-hmm. like asking why disbelief, yep. um, feeling like if I did this or if I did that, maybe this wouldn't have happened, like all of those types of questions. Yeah. Those questions that just truly keep them stuck. They, you know, one thing we need to make sense and then meaning out of our experience. And there's a certain amount of questioning that we absolutely need to do. Yes. But it's, it's when the questions you come out of it, no better than you did the last million times, you know, that's destructive. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that was the first group. The second group was the group that was, they were numbing, avoiding, distracting. So let's say they ran to the doctor who put them on mood stabilizers and anti-anxiety medications, or they Mm -hmm. numbed in front of the TV, or they emotionally ate, or they started drinking anything to, you know, uh, numb themselves from this terrible pain. And it Mm -hmm. may have made the day a bit easier to get through, but not without a price. They didn't heal nearly as effectively as the ones who just, well, as we say within the PBT Institute, face it, feel it, heal it, you know? Um, Mm. So they, they healed much faster when they took it on instead of numbing from it. The third group uh, was the group. This is the group where the betrayer had very little consequences. So whether this was Mm. for religious reasons. That was a big one. Um, financial fear. That was a big one. Not wanting to break up a, the family, a fear mm-hmm. of the unknown, the betrayed did everything they could just to put it behind them and look the other way and act like it didn't happen or whatever it was. I only saw two things with this group, this group. Um, I saw a further deterioration of the relationship. And this was also the group that was the most physically sick. Oh, yeah. I can't handle that. Those are the people who are like, we're not going to talk about it. We're going to pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, And, you know, and I get it. There's such fear with that death and destruction of the old. But here's the thing. It's when you do that, you have the ability to birth the new. And, And rebuilding is always a choice. Whether you rebuild yourself and move on, that's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you can rebuild something entirely new. And I'm talking like entirely new with the person who hurt you. That's what I do with my husband. So not long ago, we actually married each other again. Mm. New rings, new vows, new dress. (laughs) And this time Mm -hmm. our four kids is our bridal party. Um, you know, but I, <laughs> what about the dogs? Yes, the six dogs there too. Yeah. But, uh, but I'll tell you, I, I, I never in a million years would have even considered something like that if he wasn't drastically different. And if I wasn't 
you know, as well. And, um, and, but, but I get it, you know, so many people, they're, they're afraid of the unknown that comes with that death and destruction. You know, when this betrayal was discovered, that was the deal breaker. So now here I was, I was like, all right, I wasn't planning on being a single mom and doing this all myself and everything, but that was the deal breaker. And, and my mission was really just to heal. And and this is going to sound really selfish, but it wasn't even enough to me. Integrity is my highest value. So you Mm -hmm. can imagine something like betrayal, like there's not a cell of me that's okay with something like that. So it wasn't even enough to heal. I said, if I can heal from this, I'm taking everybody with me. Like I, I, that's it, you know? And Uh um, that was my only mission on his own. He had the same, you know? Okay. So I, cause I was going to say like the partner has to agree to that mission. Yeah. They have to join you in some aspect in that mission. And here's the thing, they don't have to do anything. And what we teach people within the PBT Institute is our intention is to get the betrayed person to their physical, mental, emotional best, to their highest self. Uh And from that place, they see things clearly. You know, if the intention is just to rebuild with that person, I would never uh, have anybody come in to the, to our community saying, yep, okay, we'll help you with that. No, we're going to get them to their best. And a few things happen. The other person may say, I better step it up to meet the strength of this person. Um, mm-hmm. Or they, they outgrow each other, you know? Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got yeah. it. And, and because yeah. it, we never know, you know, forgiveness, of course, is always about us. Reconciliation has everything to do with the other person, because if they're not, if this wasn't the biggest wake up call of their life, there's really nothing to work with here. And I, you know, I think in my mm-hmm. husband's case, he was actually the one who told our kids. So mm-hmm. if, if anything is going to have you wake up and realize what's important, it's realizing, you know, you just lost everything that mattered to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it comes from that place of, all right, rebuilding the self into a self that feels and is better more emotionally um, connected, more like whatever people's goals are, people's goals vary. But you're saying it's not going back to that same person oh. that you were. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I think that's impossible when you talk about betrayal. It, it know, really back is. To that and, person. And yeah. Yeah. And it really lends itself to creating an entirely new identity. You leave behind everything that no longer serves and you, you create this new version of you who is so healed, so healthy, so strong, so empowered that never would have shown up had that not happened. You know, I, I give this, uh, um, I use this analogy and I talk about it in my, I did two TEDx talks in the second one, uh, do you have post-betrayal syndrome? And I use this analogy of a house and it'll, it's so clear in this analogy. Like um, here's the difference between resilience and transformation. So resilience is restoring, bringing back, and you need that for your everyday. Trauma and transformation is a whole different thing. So using that analogy of the house, let's say the house needs a new you know, boiler and you get a boiler. That would be resilience. You're restoring it or it needs a new paint job and you paint. That's resilience. You're bringing it back to its original condition. Mm-hmm. Trauma and transformation, whole different thing. Imagine a tornado levels the house. 
Mm-hmm. Like a new boiler is not fixing it. New paint job is not fixing it. But here's the thing. You have every right to stand there at the lot where your house once stood and say, oh my gosh, this is the most tragic thing that's ever happened. And you'd be right. And mm-hmm. you can call over everybody and know and say, isn't this the worst thing you've ever seen? They'd all agree. And you can kick and scream and cry and yell until your last breath. However, if you choose to rebuild the house, why would you build the same one? There's nothing there, right? Uh-huh. Why not give it everything the old house didn't have? Why not make it better and more beautiful? That's the opportunity. But what I see people do is they just want to keep patching it up and patching it up and patching it up. That house has been leveled. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the people who, who heal the fastest, you're saying, who move through this feeling like they're really transformed are the people who say, no, I'm going to build a beautiful house, a house I always wanted. Exactly. And and like I said, we don't know if that's um, with that person who hurt you, if at the very least you build a version of you that would blow your mind, you know, that is just this rock solid version. Um, that's what's waiting for you. You know, that's the opportunity. Uh, but you, you really can't access that if um, if you're, you know, in that third group who's just ignoring, you know, what your broken heart is feeling. Yeah. Well, it it. it occurs to me is like the first and the third group are actually pretty related because Mm -hmm. I see like often when people want to hide it, I see this in my, my practice. Sometimes they don't want to tell anybody what happened. They don't want to tell even their closest friends or family. Then that is a form to me. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this of refusing Mm -hmm. to accept the betrayal. Yeah. Even I'll take one step further. That's self-betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can't even then talk about what's going on with them, with their closest loved ones. And and I get how painful it is. I mean, I, I didn't speak about it for a really long time and my health took a nosedive. It was terrifying. And it's really common for the, the person who's been betrayed to protect the betrayer at their own expense. Mm -hmm. You know, this person, greatly loved and they don't want to shake things up and they don't want to cause all this chaos. But meanwhile, they don't look at it like the betrayer caused the chaos. And now yeah. here the betrayed is trying to prevent further chaos. You know what it's like? It's like, I- I'll give you another analogy. I'm big on analogies. I-, I look at it like a brick wall. You know, trust is shattered in betrayal. And, and I look at trust as uh, the only way I know of a brick wall to be built is brick by brick by brick, right? Like every opportunity that person has to show that they're trustworthy is like one brick in the wall. And and then in one earth shattering moment, they tear the whole wall down. Well, if they're going to rebuild together, you know, I don't believe in repairing, Mm -hmm. but I do believe in rebuilding. Um, The person who's been betrayed has to be willing. Of course, they can look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching that thing get rebuilt. Totally fine. Yeah. But if they they do, that person has to be willing to watch the brick wall be rebuilt. And the other person, the betrayer, has to be a really good bricklayer. And the same way it went up the first time is the same way it goes up again, brick by brick by brick. But what I see is the person who's been betrayed looks at the rubble of bricks and they're like, this is too crazy. This is too hard. I'll build it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Or sometimes the betrayers is like, no, this is too hard. 
yeah. like, no, I can't yeah. do it. Or they'll, they'll start and then stop. And it's like, it's not a constant process. Yeah. And you really don't have much to work with when that's the case. Yes. You know, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You want me to get to the third discovery? Oh, yeah. I'm glad you're sure. tracking here. For us. Yeah. Yes. There were, there were only three, so it's easy to keep okay. track. Anyway, the, so the third discovery, this was the most exciting one for me because this was um, when I knew there's a roadmap for healing. And what this discovery was, was that while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal from the place of symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome to that total healed state of post-betrayal transformation, we will go through five now proven predictable stages. Uh, And what's even more exciting about that is we know now what happens at every stage, physically, mentally, and emotionally, and we know what it takes to move from one of those stages to the next. So, you know, why is that good? Because healing's predictable. If someone is willing to do what it takes to move from one stage to the next, they will predictably heal. Fantastic. That's a fantastic discovery. So can you tell us about the five stages? Or are they top sure, secret? Sure. Yeah? Great. No, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's what we teach in the Institute. It's what all of our coaches are certified in. It's what I share in trust again. And let me give them to you here. Okay. So a distilled version. So stage one was like a setup stage. And I saw this with every single study participant, me too. If you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everybody was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of ignoring and neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. Mm -hmm. So it looked, you know, what does that look like? Looks like we're really good at thinking and doing, you know, in a being in our head and neglecting the feeling and being, being in our heart. It's not to say that if you're just busy thinking and doing, you will be betrayed. It's just, that's what I saw. Stage two, by far the scariest of all of the stages. And this is the shock. This is D-Day, Discovery Day. Uh, This is like where the person takes the mask off and shows you who they've been the whole time. Mm -hmm. And um, this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. So right here, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete and total total case of a state of chaos and overwhelm. This makes no sense. You you just can't even understand the information you just learned. Mm -hmm. And your worldview is totally shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These are the rules that you know, how life works. Don't go there. Trust this person, you know, and in a moment, every rule you've ever had is no longer. And a new set of rules hasn't been birthed yet. So the bottom truly is bottomed out on you. It's terrifying. Yeah. Like a shattering, like your world is shattered. Absolutely. Complete and total shattering. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out, you know, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything and everything to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three, survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Right. Mm -hmm. But here's the trap. This is the stage we get stuck in. Most of us get stuck in. Mm. And here's why. Once you've figured out how to survive your experience, you're like, okay, all right, we got this. And because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you think it's good. You have no idea 
there's a stage four and stage five. Transformation doesn't even happen until stage four. But what happens is because we think this is the end of the road, we start planting some roots here and four things happen. The first thing is you start getting all of these small self benefits. You get to be right. You get your story. Mm -hmm. You get someone to blame, right? You get target for your anger. You get sympathy. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Do I trust you? Can I trust you? I forget. I'm not going to trust anybody. Mm -hmm. And you plant deeper roots here. And then because you're here. You start to live in, in the victim. You get benefits from being the victim. Exactly. And then, and you know how this works. Now the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not that great. Maybe this, maybe that. So you plant deeper roots. And then because like energy attracts like energy, and this is how you feel now situations and circumstances and people are, and, you know, are coming towards you to confirm this is where you belong. And that misery loves company crowd. Here they come, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and so you plant deeper roots and it gets worse. I'll get you out of here though, because it feels so bad, but you have no idea there's anything better right here is where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior to numb, avoid, distract yourself from what's so painful to feel or face. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So think about you do this for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit a year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can really see someone 20 years out and say that emotional eating you're doing, or that drinking you're doing, or that numbing in front of the TV you're doing. Do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. But say it happened 20 years ago. doesn't matter. Do you see all they did was put themselves in this stage three holding pattern. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I see that in my practice, I've certainly been through that stage myself before moving yeah. towards healing. Yeah. And um, yeah, people absolutely get stuck there or they'll be triggered by something uh, I don't, that happened 20 years yeah. ago, a decade ago. And it's not, I mean, sometimes something will come up that will trigger someone. And it's not necessarily that they haven't healed that completely, but it's like, oh, mm-hmm. this something plays on the radio or they see something or something like that and they feel the feelings and then they move Mm -hmm. through that. It's like, yeah, no, I'm no longer there. Right. Yeah. We're not really talking about that. I think think you're talking about is someone who's really stuck there. Okay. Who doesn't truly trust again or who won't do certain things because they're scared of being triggered or, you know, something like that. Yeah. They're very stuck. They're very stuck. But if you're willing to let go of those small self-benefits, everything they get, you do a few things, grieve, mourn the loss, bunch of stuff, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge, I cannot undo my experience, but I can control what I do with it. And I always use this example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And when you're in this mental space, you start turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stopped the massive damage you were creating in stage, uh, stages two and stage three. What's interesting about stage four also is if you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You know, you don't take the things that don't represent who you want to be in this new mental space, you know, in this space. And what I saw so clearly with everybody was if your friends weren't there for you, 
right here is where you've outgrown them. You don't take them with you. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And it's like that misery loves company crowd. If you got, you know, a whole bunch of friends during that time and that's who they were, you don't take them with you. You've just outgrown them. When you're in this space and you're making it cozy, you're making it home, you move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new world of you. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. Your mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on what you see so clearly now. Mm -hmm. And you have a new worldview based on the road you just traveled. And the four legs of the table in the beginning, it was just all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Wow. Wow. Fascinating. I really love <laughs> how you laid that out. And I'm imagining the book goes into it um, more mm -hmm. in depth, or obviously if someone were to go through your, your program at the Post-Betrayal Institute, that uh -huh. you would really get into this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have a signature program that literally just walks them through that they could do 24 seven on their own. Like I said, our coaches and they're all certified in the five stages, plus bringing in 10, 20, 30 plus years of their own expertise in, in trauma, chronic pain, narcissism, reconciliation, addiction. Wow. Um, interesting. Oh, Very interesting. Yeah. So where does forgiveness fit into this? You know, forgiveness, and we've all we've always heard it's all about us, right? It releases the power the pain has on us. Um, what I've found, though, is when we forgive too early, it backfires every time. Mm -hmm. And and it's when we forgive for the wrong reasons, when we forgive just because it's like, all right, this is too painful. This is just too awkward. Fine, I forgive you. You, you know, it just it just doesn't. Yeah, work. it's not authentic. It's not genuine. It's more. It's the band aid, but it's like a festering wound under there. Exactly. For so many people, they they really struggle with it, and I yeah. always encourage move towards uh, acceptance before forgiveness. Mm -hmm. It's just a bit easier, you know, to take. And it's interesting. I remember reading a study when I was doing my study. One of the studies was it said if you feel safe and valued, and you forgive, you feel better. If you do not feel safe and valued, and you forgive, you feel worse. And and in trust again, I talk about upping it a little bit and changing the word forgiveness, because forgiveness, I believe we should do anyway for our own sake, to changing the word forgiveness to reconcile. And then it would sound like this. If you feel safe and valued and you reconcile, you feel better. Mm -hmm. If you do not feel safe and valued and you reconcile, you feel worse. And I found that to be the case every single time. Wow. I, I love that. I mean, I think there's so much wisdom in that phrase, like safe and valued. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That that needs to be present in a relationship to heal moving forward. If let's say you're going to stay with the betrayer, but to my mind too is safe and valued and developing that for yourself, right? Like mm -hmm. how do you develop safety and value of yourself? Like how is that? Yeah. I mean, really it's related to your own integrity. What do mm -hmm. I accept? What do I not? What is okay with me? What is not? And and how do I form that to feel safe and valued regardless of what anyone else thinks of yeah. me or feels about me? 
that that's it. And that's why, you know, when I was talking about moving from stage three to stage four, how very often you outgrow people because you start, when you start changing the rules, you know, where the old version of you boundaries can get crossed. You didn't take your own needs seriously, whatever it was. And now all of a sudden you do, it shakes up people around you. They're like, wait a second. You know, I kind of liked you better when I could boss you around where I knew, yeah. you know, I could get away with things. We see this all the time where people are saying like, what the heck is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. It's beautiful, but understand it will cause a shakeup with you and the people around you because you are the one who's changing, becoming this amazingly strong version of you, mm -hmm. but it's uh, different than who you were for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it really is a transformed version. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this question comes up a lot and um, I love talking about trust, right? And yeah. often people think of trust as like black and white, like either trust someone or I don't. And I always say like mm -hmm. trust is a process. It's yeah. a gray scale that, you know, if you allowed for shades of gray, then we live in a more colorful world. Um, when you're talking about a betrayal experience, how do people learn to trust again? You know, I teach a four-step trust rebuilding process. I actually can can share it with you if that would serve. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what I see so often is trust is shattered and we're so quick because it's so uncomfortable, because it feels so awkward, because we don't like it. We rush to trust again and it falls flat every time. There really are these four uh, levels that we need to establish to safely and more comfortably trust again. So, so you know, betrayal shatters trust in everything and everyone. Think about it. You don't trust your betrayer. Mm -hmm. You don't even trust yourself. Right. You're like, I'm a great person. How did I not see? How did I not know? Yes. And then you don't trust anybody around you. You're like, well, if I couldn't trust the person closest to me, how could I trust that person? Yeah. I don't trust anyone. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is shattered. So, we, so that's why the entire thing needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. So we start with the most foundational aspects of trust. You pick something that is a, like a no-brainer. And I'm talking like, is the sun going to rise? I don't know. I don't trust that. Well, then you go out every morning and you take a look up. Oh, sure enough, there it is. Can I trust it? I don't know. Check again, you know, and until, <laughs> right, until you can, you can believe that to be true, then just keep checking. Once you believe it, that's your foundation upon which to stand. Mm -hmm. From there, you need to start uh, rebuilding trust in your intuition, in your wise inner guide, in your highest self. And to do that, you want to get, get a sense of what trust feels like for you. It's, and I couldn't say it because it's different for everybody. You know, picture the most trustworthy scene you can, you know, your dog wagging his or her tail two babies laughing, whatever it is. And you want to tap into how does that feel? Where do I feel that in my body? Does it feel open, expansive? What emotions are going through me? That's That picture, those feelings represent trust for you. Mm -hmm. And then you want to feel, go back to D-Day, go back to a, an experience where you, you know, someone lied to you. What did that feel like? Where did you feel it on your body? How did it feel? You know, closed, constricted, tight, whatever. That's what a lack of trust feels like for you. And once you establish those two experiences, you move through your day and you check in. Does this experience feel closer to the two babies laughing or to that person lying to me? Which one is it closer to? And what you're doing is you're, you're kind of getting this sense of safety and security because you're, you're rebuilding that trust 
in your intuition. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm like on edge here for the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So the third, we'll get to the third. So the, oh, the third, third, sorry. Yeah. You have to rebuild trust in yourself because you, you know, you, you stop trusting in yourself after the betrayal. So to do that, what you do is you give yourself little tasks and then you do them. I'm going to drink that glass of water. And then you do, I'm going to go to the gym and then you do, I will not call my ex. And then you don't, whatever it is for you. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is you're teaching yourself. My word is law. If I say something, I mean it. I'm trustworthy. And so now you can imagine you have that that foundation upon which to stand, right? The sun will rise. Mm -hmm. Trust your your wise inner guide. You trust your intuition. You trust yourself. So you feel that sense of safety and security like these invisible bodyguards, right? From there, that's the only place you slowly, cautiously, and carefully can begin to trust in others. (sighs) Yes. Thank you so much. I love how you break it down. And I really resonated with the steps as you talked about them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what you could see. People rush to level four and there's nothing underneath it. Yeah. And that's why it yeah. falls flat. Right. And it is a, a really big issue and topic mm-hmm. that people really struggle with, both yep. trust and forgiveness. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is often a question of like, all right, how how can I stay with this person if I don't trust them, but then wanting to stay with the person, right? Like in, and going through healing is legitimately wanting to stay with the person for all kinds of reasons that people have Yep. and wanting to go through the healing. And at the same time, feeling like, how do I do that? If I don't trust them, Mm -hmm. there's a process for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our time here. And I just want to say I learned so much (laughs) during this conversation myself. And I really love um, everything you are doing and everything that you researched. Can Mm -hmm. you please tell people where to find the quiz about betrayal and also where to find you? Oh, sure. Thank you. So uh, I really recommend everybody just take the quiz and you can find that at the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Okay. Fantastic. And I'm assuming they find you at the pbtinstitute.com. They can. And if they want to get trust again, you can, of course you can get it at Amazon, but I'd rather you get it from this link because I have all kinds of goodies for you when you do. They can find that at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. Okay, great. What kind of goodies are there? Oh, you have to just go and see. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Teaser, right? So those links will be in the show notes. So be sure to look there. And um, thank you again so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, thank you for the opportunity.